Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Vorst, and I'm one of the pastors at Life Church, and I'm your host for this show. Thank you so much for joining us on, uh, well, what's turning out to be a pretty good summer day here in Michigan. If you're listening somewhere else in the country or outside the country, I'm not sure what it's like for you, but I hope you're doing well. I want to make sure to uh, invite you to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already. If you feel like you want to share this content with somebody, you could do that too, because it can always start a really good conversation, um, maybe over the phone, over Zoom, or if you're meeting in person. Uh, this is These are just great conversation starters, in my opinion. Uh, today is an episode of Table Talk Thursday, and Pastor Daniel was out, so it was just me and Pastor Nathan. And then we had a guest for the first half of the show where uh, we spoke with Neil Walker. He is the chair of our leadership team, which every church has a little bit different structure in terms of a level of accountability. Uh, We call it a leadership team. They're voted in, and um, he'll tell you a little bit more about his role, but enjoyed getting to talk to him. And then also uh, we talked a little bit about religion versus relationship and what that all means. So I hope you enjoy the show. And uh, now I'm going to turn it over to Table Talk Thursday. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Table Talk Thursday. My name is Jared Van Vorst, and I'm one of the pastors, and I'm joined by our other pastor, Nathan McWhorter, and then we have a special guest with us today. His name is Neil Walker. We're going to get to him in just a moment. But if this is your very first time watching Table Talk Thursday, we have an opportunity to take about an hour and discuss um, theology, discuss issues of our day, random biblical topics. Uh, And so it's been a good opportunity to be able to do that. And uh, obviously, we're still experiencing the pandemic. And so um, Daniel, Pastor Daniel, who's normally with us, he's out on vacation right now. But he always does a great job of reminding us to be in prayer uh, for those who are struggling with anything, whether it be uh, sickness of any kind, uh, whether they're in some kind of isolation because of COVID and because of sheltering in place, but then also those that have been affected economically, uh, perhaps they've lost their job and, and maybe haven't had work for a really long time. And so they've had to adjust for their family. Uh, it's just important to be in prayer for them. Um, and then for us to continue to be the body of Christ and figure out ways that we can support one another. Um, also, we try not to make this too much about us, but from time to time, if, if you're interested in hearing how we're doing, we do like to share just a little bit about how we as pastors are doing. So Nathan, why don't you share just a little bit? How are you and your family this week? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long couple of weeks, lots of fun conversations with people in the church and by fun, I mean, they're impactful and meaningful and good. And I'm glad we're having them, but, uh, it, it's been, a, it's been a lot. Um, we also are starting to spend a significant amount of energy on what it looks like to open up um, while continuing to maintain everything online like we've been doing and hopefully even growing in that as time goes on. Um, so if you're not planning on coming back anytime soon, don't worry, we still got you. But that's a lot of work, but it's exciting work. Like it feels like we've been maybe putting out fires or, or, or fixing issues. Now we're starting to put our energy towards moving the ministry forward. And, um, it, you know, important conversations and dealing with frustrations is huge, but sometimes it can feel like we don't do much ministry. So it's important for us to continue to move forward. And, and uh, it's a ministry of itself, but the ministry of reaching more people 
um, it's exciting. So I, I'm really excited about the season. My family is growing like crazy. My little one is talking so much more. So just not a baby anymore. And she is uh, probably my most stubborn, likes to tell me no, um, likes to tell me that she doesn't want to wear what I pick out for her in the morning. She goes, no, no want that. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'll get the burlap sack out. That's what you're going to wear. How about you, Jared? Was that sackcloth and ashes? Is this a... Uh, no, it's just a burlap sack with holes cut oh. out of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I don't have to deal with that. Um, and I think actually we at a very early age with our girls just decided they're in charge of their wardrobe. Um, it's not even worth it anymore. Um, but that's, that's us. That's our decision. Our family's doing okay. Um, we, I, I really hope that they're not watching live. I'm at my home, but we have a surprise vacation next week for them. Uh, they don't know about so it's gonna be a lot of fun so i really hope they're not watching live right now in the dining room so if they are i just gave it away anyway uh we're gonna be doing well soon (laughs) why would you do that they're sick of seeing me on a screen anyway so they're probably i'm I'm just going banking on the fact that they're probably not watching right now and they don't listen to the podcast because they're nine eight and eight so um that's how we're doing but I'm excited to have Neil with us and, uh, and just share a little bit more about his role. Um, so I'm going to let you take it away, Nathan. Yeah, you know, Neil, it's great to have you. Um, you serve on our leadership team. I think it's important, especially for those who tune in, who aren't part of our church to understand what that is. The leadership team is selected by other um, uh, people in the church to lead the church, to bring um, accountability and long-term vision for the church. So I work with the leadership team just to make sure that we're going where we need to go and that we're following after what God has for us. So Neil's been a part of the church for quite a while, but is also serving as the current chair of the leadership team, which means the person who's in charge of, of the leadership team. It's a, it's a, uh, it's kind of like the um, board of directors at the school system right now where you have someone who's the chair and it's like, you got things to do, but then all of a sudden that job becomes so much harder, so quick. And I feel for every one of our um, board of directors um, at the school, but uh, also for Neil. So it's been a joy to get to know him much more intensely in the last, uh, you know, during COVID and everything. But we wanted to bring you on as part of a greater thing. I've really enjoyed it. But for people, they don't always know who is on our leadership, whether that's on our staff or on the lay leadership, if you know the term, but the people who are, are part of the congregation, unpaid, uh, unpaid, they're not paid to be staff members. And um, getting to know them is so important. So before we get going, sometimes we forget to do this. I think it's really important to know that if you're part of our church, especially if you're a partner, but if you're a part of our church at all, and you have so, something that you want to connect with and um, you, you know, don't feel comfortable coming to the staff, although I think you should come right to us. We'd love to talk to you. Neil is just a great representative of the congregation who can help um, lead you in the right direction. But Neil, um, we wanted to ask you some questions. Um, first, how are you do- doing during this unique season of COVID and pandemic and, and racial injustice? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for the introduction and thanks for uh, inviting me to participate today. I appreciate that. Um, Doing really well, actually. Um, In fact, there are times when uh, I almost feel a little guilty because as as Jared said up front, uh, there are a lot of people suffering real hardships right now. And, um, but 
we're doing great. We're healthy. We're happy so far. Um, I think the, the biggest blessing was uh, I was unemployed for a while, but in, uh, in October, I got a job that I love now, and it's a job that allows me to work full-time from home. So that's been fantastic. I really like that. Um, uh, I like, I like you know, getting up in the morning and getting my coffee and going straight to my computer and, and starting my workday. So that's been great. And uh, my wife, Beth, um, she works as a para-pro for the Wayne Westland School District. She's a little anxious right now about what the coming school year is going to look like. Um, as a lot of people are, but um, other than that, we're, we're doing really well and um, we don't take that for granted. Yeah. Yeah. What, what have you found to be just um, really good for your soul in mm -hmm. this time? Well, first off, uh, hopefully Beth's watching, so I'll give her a shout out. Uh, it's, been, <laughs> it's been awesome spending a lot more time with Beth than, than we've been able to in, in previous years. Um, that's been good. We've been married for 37 years now, and we've kind of been talking about this as a, as a bit of a preview into what retirement is going to look like. And it's, it's been great. It's been, it's been good so far. We still like each other. So, um, so that's been, that's been good. Um, aside from that, having more time to read and, um, and spend time in with devotion in prayer. Um, that's something I, I struggled with uh, for many years, just because of the pressures of being at work every day. And, and um, I've been able to give that really focused time um, for, in a lot of ways, for the first time. And it's it's been it's been great. Um, it's been great for my spirit, great for my soul, as, as your question said. So. Um, I've, I've had a lot more time to focus on my spiritual life than, than in the past. And along those lines, I'm, I'm really thankful for the way Life Church has been supporting that uh, during, the, during the pandemic. Um, the online services have been great, um, apart from the occasional technical difficulties. We don't need to talk about that. But uh, Jared, your blog, I, I really enjoy your blog. And um, you know, we, I've done a number of version devotionals with a, with a group of people. Um, Table Talk Thursday is awesome. I, I, I love this ministry and um, I've been watching most weeks, so I'm happy to be a part of it this week. Um, but just, just really good stuff. And um, I've also been a part of a Color of Compromise group. Um, so uh, I'll give a shout out to Laura Garvey and Lindsay Hufford for organizing that. That's, that's been fantastic, um, especially during this time of racial unrest. Uh, really appreciate that, and it's been a great group and uh, a great experience. Good for my soul. Yeah, yeah. I really love that the book color of compromise because it creates a good discussion. And I, I, whenever we look at books um, or we recommend books, I think that they are intended to be pro thought provoking and conversation starting, and uh, being able to see them as insights uh, into what's happening, and then wrestling with them like we wrestle with the Word of God. The difference is books are made by imperfect people. So I think the best way to go through a challenging book like Color of Compromise or Read Discipling the, the White Church or any of the books we've been talking about that can be really challenging is to do it in 
dialogue. Um, I find balance really comes from that. And just to remember for those who have been able to, you know, maybe do college or, or write research papers in high school or beyond, that uh, we have to do a really good job of, of taking in the truths and sifting through them and applying them and being challenged by them. And that's best done in dialogue and be, by being challenged. And um, just really appreciate that you are stepping into it, that you are going after it and um, really, really working on yourself, but also doing it in community. That's really cool. I have a bunch of people who love you on the feed right now. Although Ron is saying it's a good day for golf. So oh. I don't know if you are, you're going golfing with Ron uh, later. Maybe you will now. Uh, but a lot of people are excited to see you. Um, and Beth says 38 years, Neil. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, and also just, uh, she said it with a big smiley face with hearts. So I don't oh, think she's upset. Yep. And the kids are watching I guess Paw Patrol, not this. So Jared, you're still safe. So just, I know that I there is someone. Magic school bus. But yeah. Magic school bus. My bad. I'm sorry. Yep. You may not do We're the good. Paw Patrol thing. Nope, that's all right. But no, uh, we, we've grown out of Paw Patrol, thankfully. Yeah, I was thinking. I was like, what? Uh, that's me. That's where my kids yeah. are. I'm excited, Neil. Thanks so much for being here. Um, but tell us about what you do, how you serve here, how have you served here at Life Church Can really just share you know what you see your role has been and, and whatever you want to share because sometimes people don't really understand um, how many amazing people who do ministry here uh, especially those who don't do it for pay but do it because they're serving God mm. yeah um, well Beth and I have been going to Life Church for uh, going on 10 years now and one of the first things we did when we joined was uh, we got in, involved in a life group because um, we've always found that to be um, kind of the heartbeat of, of a church. And um, so we got involved in a life group right away. And within a year, uh, we ended up leading that group. Um, and we've been leading life groups ever since. Uh, we now have a group of couples that we miss tremendously. Um, we've been staying in touch with them via email. And we had a few Zoom meetings, but that's just definitely not the same. Um, so we were, we're excited to hear about the All Church series that's starting in September. Um, we will hopefully be able to start meeting again for that. And, um, but yeah, we really, we really miss our, our life group. Um, so looking forward to getting back together with them. But we, that's, that's always been a big part of, of our personal ministry. And then uh, maybe our favorite ministry is uh, marriage mentoring. We've been doing that for a number of years as well. Uh, we've probably mentored um, about a dozen couples or so over the years. And, um, you know, Beth and I have a happy marriage and, and we love the opportunity of being able to pass along whatever we can to, to young couples. And um, it, it's, that's just been, Beth and I are able to do that together. And that's just kind of at the heart of, of what we like to do. Uh, what else? We were, we were door greeters back when, we were opening our doors, um, which we love doing, a great way to stay in touch with people. Um, and then I served on the nominating committee um, for a, a year or two. And then uh, Nathan, as you mentioned, I was elected to the leadership team uh, at the beginning of last year. So I'm about 18 months into that now. And um, yeah, it, it was a uh, 
unusual set of circumstances that led to me uh, becoming the chair. Um, but uh, I'm excited about that. Um, it's um, all kinds of challenges for sure, but also uh, great opportunities to be a part of where Life Church is going and, and contribute to that. Uh, so that's what's taking a lot of my energy these days, is that role. Oh, that's great. Well, we appreciate yeah. having you and putting the time in um, as we continue to work out where God's going in a, in a, a truly unprecedented, truly unique, and I think transformational moment in the church as a whole, but also our church. Just it, it, these moments and the work that's done in these moments uh, end up being so important to the future. And so thank you for partnering and leading and taking a burden and sharing it uh, with the leadership team and also with the, the leadership of the church. Uh, it's been, it's been great getting to know you at a deeper level. Yeah. This is probably a loaded question, but what's been most challenging in these last few months for you? Um, and, and especially uniquely as you sit in the role of not just LT, but the chair of the LT, uh, I imagine, you know, it's a, it's a whole nother perspective that not a whole lot of people get to see. Yeah. Uh, what, what's something that's been challenging for you? Yeah, um, for sure. I, um, I hope I'm not revealing too much with this, but uh, when I've served on leadership teams at, at previous churches, so mm. I, I was, I, I came into it with eyes wide open, but um, you know, every church has its issues and its challenges and, but uh, until you get into a role like that, oftentimes uh, you're free to ignore those challenges or 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 not um, not have to engage in them or not even be aware of them. So um, being a part of the leadership team, while it comes with um, a lot of exciting opportunities, it also comes with a lot of challenges, and certainly we have had our share of that. Um, and what what when I was thinking about this. Uh, earlier, and I, I thought about, you know, so, a lot of the challenges that our church faces. Um, it's it's made me realize how much we miss corporate worship, um, because there's, uh, and that surprised me, because I, you know, I'm I'm a bit of an introvert, and you know, when we first started doing the online services, I thought, wow, this is awesome. I get to go to church from my couch, and you know, have breakfast while I'm while I'm worshiping, and. Um, and it was great, but, uh, you know, especially during a time when we're so divided as a country and those, those div divisions even leak into our church, um, that's when we really miss, I think, corporate worship because, you know, you guys talked last week about the, the limitations and even the, the, the perils of relationship via Facebook, right? And, uh, yeah. um, and when that's what we're limited to, um, it's that that's dangerous really to to what relationships especially within the church should be and uh with corporate worship you know it's um it's hard to be mad at somebody when you're standing next to them with 300 other people praising jesus you know it's yeah all that other stuff just falls away and and i i think i think that's a big part of what we're missing and um um that's uh, uh so i'm i'm looking forward to when we can get back to that so uh, corporate worship and, and definitely, as I mentioned earlier, missing our small group and, and that opportunity to to uh, minister to, to people. Um, we're doing the best we can, but um, I, I'd say those are the, the biggest challenges. It's just the, the struggle with with relationships. Yeah. 
And I think you've modeled that well, Neil, in just the short amount of time that I've gotten to know you since coming here, um, is just your general desire to be inquisitive to people, to seek understanding, your humility. Um, I think you are uniquely wired for this season to be in the role that you are, not just on the leadership team, but as the chair as well. Um, And I just appreciate your heart um, and desire for relationships, relationships, uh, to exist and to be healthy and to grow and to mature. And so I appreciate that about you. I was just thinking, um, I, I have gotten to know somebody only virtually. I hadn't, I didn't know them before COVID hit. And then recently was able to actually get a bite to eat with them and sit down and talk about some things. And you're right. Like, standing next to somebody worshiping, sitting across the table, eating really good food. Um, it, it really makes it hard to be angry or to, um, you know, you still have, maybe you have disagreements or how to frame a conversation around certain topics that are harder to discuss. But I just found so much joy coming away from that, that discussion. And like, no, this is a person created in the image of God, as am I. We're, we want to know God more, and that's the goal. And, uh, and so there's just a lot of joy that comes from that. But I, I totally agree. When you don't have that on a regular basis, uh, it's something you deeply miss out on. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you're right, Neil. I think before we got into the, um, the racial and political milieu that will continue through the fall, obviously with the election year, um, before all that happened, there was when we were in corporate worship, there was this, this unifying force to it. Um, but even without um, the pandemic, the, the pressure is rising. And so we already knew that going into the fall, I think when we were series planning a year ago, just saying people are going to be focused on this disunity because it's, it's permeating everything. Yeah. Um, but what I think COVID has done is made it worse obviously worse. So yeah, you're not giving anything away. I I mentioned um, last Sunday just that we are working on plans to reopen most likely in in September. Obviously, we're getting together with outside with social distancing, um, probably for multiple services for New Life Weekend on August 30th. But, you know, working with our staff and the leadership team, taking surveys of people and what they want to do with their children and all of those things, we're, we're really taking our time and being patient um, to process through it. And it changes every day. You know, we were supposed to find out on the 30th about school. Well, now we're not going to find out to August 11th. And, and so I, I appreciate that we have these um, systems of communication that we're going out. And as we um, start to communicate, it'll, it'll be, hey, let's, here's the plan. Take it to leadership team. Let them look through it, ask questions, take it back to staff. Then we're probably going to talk to partners about it. And then we'll announce it to the church. So we're just hoping that we can communicate well, but starting to feel very strongly that it's time um, to come back together for those who are ready and those who are not um, ready yet just to continue to um, increase and continue to do everything that we've done digitally with life journey and small groups and meeting the pastor. I got to meet the pastor here soon. And all those things will continue because we're going to be a church that's some at home and some in person for a very long time. Um, but Neil, I know that you will bring your insights and and all that here. I just, I agree with Jared. I think you're uniquely positioned for this season um, to help us and um, just appreciate the hard work you've done over years and years and years of learning and listening um, to bring that wisdom to the team right now. I think it's, it's pretty amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Neil, any any final thoughts or anything you wanted to to say or or, or uh, express? Um, you were drinking your Michigan cup earlier, and I wasn't really enjoying that. But like, you know, anything else besides, uh, you know, Michigan football? Oh uh, yeah, I will. I will be missing that. Um, no, I, uh, I I just appreciate this opportunity. I appreciate you guys. I, I think we have a a fantastic staff now and um, and great leadership, and I, I I love being a part of that. Um, so uh, I, I miss everyone and look forward to getting back together again. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Before you go, I have one thing to say. Um, uh, because you're the chair, because you're on LT, I'm telling on Daniel Fegbui right now, one of our pastors. He's supposed to be on vacation, but he just signed on to pay attention oh, to the table to Thursday. So, oh, so Neil, Daniel. Uh, you got to do something about that. <laughs> okay. He's going to be. We'll have a talk. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm so grateful for, for your time, Neil. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks. See you, Neil. Bye. Good stuff. Man, love that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So Daniel's not yeah. here. He's on vacation, except he's here no, he's watching. Not. He's he's on vacation. This, yes. He loves this stuff. This man, this is what he eats and breathes. I know. Um, so, so hopefully he's, he's... He's not allowed to comment his answers. Yes, he's not. He, he needs to chill. You know, he needs okay. to chill. Okay. But uh, he can right. be there. Maybe it's his wife. They have the same Facebook account. So you don't, you don't know. That, you don't even that's know. That's true. That's true. I don't. I, I can't judge. And Tracy Solomon, I know that you're U of M forever, uh, but uh, <laughs> my heart hasn't been deceived uh, in any way whatsoever. I won't talk about your heart and your thought towards Michigan. Uh, we'll just we'll just say scoreboard for the last, what, 16 years where we've lost maybe once. Wow. Okay, that's all I got to say about that. Uh, it'll wow. turn someday. I'll be on the other end of that, that but <laughs> not anytime soon. All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was I'm in the Cooper years. Agreed, were, so I don't care. Yeah, the Cooper years were bad, man. <laughs> Cooper's it was bad. It would that was we were true fans. Uh then that was rough. No, it's all in good fun. Really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, <laughs> but I am excited. I have a question. I'm gonna read different yeah. parts of it. Rob Roberto um asked a question. We'll spend a good amount of time on this today. And I'm gonna, it was much, it was really well thought out question. I'm just gonna read some of the highlights of it so uh, that we can keep tracking and keep ourselves focused. But thanks Rob for reaching out. Um, and the question we're going to have is this. I have a question regarding religion. For several years, many Christians and members of church, including pastors, have spoken of religion versus relationship. That the church, the Christianity isn't about religion, but about relationship. Um, that's the kind of general thought. Uh, I have been guilty of having this mindset until I med meditated on James 1, 26 through 27. Um, and he's saying this, I believe the church should be specific when they bring the word religion up before an audience and unto those whom they minister to. We as men and women who love and believe in the true living God may be wrong, but the word of God is never wrong. And so he's just saying, hey, can we talk more about religion versus relationship and what that means when we say that and and how often we look at religion as a negative thing um, and what, what's going on there. So basically, let's let's define what religion means. Let's define what relationship with Jesus Christ means and why because I've said this phrase, 
it's it's about relationship, not religion. What we're trying to communicate, just as you as you and I, Jared, not to to try to understand what other people are trying to communicate, um, and go from there. So we'll bring up James one twenty six through twenty seven. Do you have that there, Jared? I do. Um, I'm reading it, from the. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm go reading from the new way. New Living Translation. Um, okay. And he started with twenty six, right? Twenty six yeah. and twenty seven. Yep. So if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Yeah. It's great. Thanks for reading that. Yeah. I think this is Absolutely. a great conversation. So Jared, when you think of the word religion, what mm-hmm. do you think of? Yeah. So, um, in, in seminary, we actually took a class on religion um, and what, what exactly people mean when we talk about that. And I guess if I were to distill it down into, mo- into the most simplest form, um, I, I, I tend to see it not, not so much as a negative idea, but more so as an established rhythm um, to put myself in a position to hear from God um, and then to act out what I hear from God and what I read in scripture. Uh, there, there is a certain rhythm and repetition to it. Um, I think where it goes bad is when that repetition becomes rote. And what I mean by that is, is you just not even, you're not even thinking you're just, you're just doing something, going through the motions to do something. Um, so I think, as long as there's a why behind the what, uh, religion can actually be very powerful. So, so we encourage people to have a quiet time, right? We encourage people to be in a small group. We encourage people to go to church, to be part of the body. Technically, all of that is religious. It's repetitive. It's rhythmic. It has an established consistency to it. Um, but I think where people tend to think that religion is a bad thing is when they think of, I, and I think Detroit is a predominantly, uh, has a Catholic background. And so because their Catholic experience was maybe, maybe negative or maybe not as exciting or maybe not as fun or maybe not as um, inspirational, that that was their definition of religion. And then therefore religion was bad, but then coming to life church or going to any other church that was maybe more energetic and had louder music. And, you know, there was a lot more interaction that that was somehow less religious. Um, And so I just don't want, I don't want people to misdefine what religion is. And then subsequently um, maybe attack, that's probably not the right word, but but denigrate the Catholic church for what they do um, for their process. Absolutely. If that makes sense. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Yeah. It, you know, the definition of religion is the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal God or gods, right? That's a, that's the belief in. And then subsequently it's the particular system of faith and worship that supports that right. or a pursuit or interest in which someone ascribes supreme importance, you know, religious about football. I mean, since we've talked about it, like that's something that happens, right. like it's, it's primary. And I agree with you. Um, why, particularly let's since you use the illustration of, of Catholicism, which I greatly uh, appreciate or more of a high church, why that can seem like it's yeah. more 
quote unquote religious is because they have more systems. They have more rote. Mm -hmm. They have more liturgy, which is a way of what we do when we do it, how we do it. There is more pomp and circumstance. And, and um, we can see that as being more religious or just overly religious. But when truly the, the reason behind the liturgy, the reason behind the, the incense and the, the smells and bells, as one, one would say about Catholicism, behind it is beautiful. If you think about it like this, like, like there's something about Catholicism that is very experiential. You are smelling it. You are seeing it. You are hearing it. You are sensing it. I mean, they, the, the, the rooms were definitely, we're, we're, architectural wonders, acoustic wonders to help you experience something that when the choir would sing, it would resonate in a way that would, you would hit you in a different way, like speaker systems essentially from the past. So for, for me, when we talk about religion, it is important to realize that, that there are religions that don't um, worship God, our God, um, that right. have different things. And also that religion has been on the back end of, of very negative things. Here's what I think when, well, before that, let's define relationship. Jared, I'll let you go right. first. Yep, that's good. And then let's okay. talk about what, what might be trying to communicate by the phrase, it's not about religion it's about relationship. So let's, let's right. talk specifically about what relationship with Jesus Christ, we'll just go specific to us, what that means. Yeah. And so uh, we'll just go ahead and stick with Catholicism because I, um, that's probably, that's, that's pretty local um, in terms of maybe what our perspective is. Plus it's, it's personal to me because my wife grew up in the Catholic church, but even in that she had a very different Catholic experience or Catholic faith community. Um, than what we came to learn about when we, so uh, she grew up in small uh, Northwest Iowa, um, which is a state in the middle of the United States. Most of Michiganders and Ohioans don't know about this state, but uh, it's not the potato <laughs> state. Just want to be clear. Anyway, we grew up, we grew up in Northwest Iowa and she had a very tight knit uh, community of faith that happened to be Catholic. And, there, I, and I get that there's some theological things with Catholicism as well. And, you know, often times people will be like, do they pray to Mary? And she's like, I never remember praying to Mary. So she had a unique experience. We moved up to Minnesota and uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul, uh, specifically St. Paul, also is probably similar to Detroit in its um, Catholic heritage, uh, both religiously and culturally. And uh, we were beginning to hear much different perspectives on their Catholic upbringing. Um, and what we would hear uh, as an often communicated theme was that, you know, I could never talk to God directly or I could never read the scripture. I had to go through the priest in order to do that. Now, whether or not that that was true, that was their understanding of how they understood church to be, how they understood um, even a relationship with God is that it was, it was through a proxy in a, in a sense, it was through the priest. You had to confess to the priest. Um, and so when I heard people talk about, uh, or started, you know, leaving the Catholic church and coming to a different church, they realized, and they would say, you know, I realized that my faith is about a relationship, not about religion. And what they're communicating when they say that is, is I recognize now that I can have a relationship directly to God. I don't have to go through this priest. I don't, um, have to wait to hear what they say the Bible says. I can actually have a Bible for myself and I can do my own quiet time. And all of that, all of that's great. Um, and so they were beginning to equate that a relationship with God 
was more personal. It was something that they could embrace um, on a more individualistic um, uh, way, apart from uh, sort of what, like what you call the high church, um, the, the priest and the role that they play, the office that they are in, um, that it is very personal. It's something that I get to be a part of, but then also it's, it's the way in which it impacts the relationships around you. So yeah, we talk about faith. Whereas um, I've heard that some people in the Catholic church that that's very private. So it, yes, it's personal, but it's still very private. And you don't, you don't really talk about your faith with other people. Again, not saying that that's everybody's uh, Catholic upbringing, but that was a, a common theme that I heard. And so the relationship is pertaining to this sort of personal um, embracing of my faith that I act out, I live out. Yeah. When I think of relationship with Jesus Christ, I uh, I think about the Trinity. I think about um, what we get. Um, I mean, we're talking about sticking to the gospel in our series right now. And oh my gosh, I just mm-hmm. love being reminded of what what we've been saved from, the depth, the pain, the frustration of it, but also the joy of what we've been saved for. That there's no more shame anymore. That we can we can confess our sins and all these things. But w- when I really think about it, I break it down like this: because of Jesus Christ and and the fact that He is died for us, lived a perfect life, took on those things for himself so that we can actually be like him. But more than just be like a good person, because Jesus was a good person. He was a great person. He was an amazing person. He was also God. It wasn't just about following his moral code. What relationship means is because of Jesus Christ and my connection to him, because I've chosen to follow him, what was given to me was given to me was his righteousness and goodness. Now, what does that mean? This is the cool part. We don't talk about this enough. Because of that, I get to have uh, uh, be in communion with God. Because I am now righteous, I, because of what Jesus did, I get to be in the presence of God. I get to have a relationship with him like we did in the garden. I get to be with him and commune with him. Like, you know, I, you've heard those kind of a God-shaped hole, right? The God-shaped hole in all of us, for those of us who grew up in Christianity, like, it's like, oh, it's just a hole that needs to be filled. No, it's, it's like we were made to be um, united with God. Like our identity wasn't, it doesn't exist by itself. Anyone who tells you you can find everything of who you are within you is full of it. And why do I say that? And, and, and that seems harsh, right? I'm not trying to poo-poo it of trying to find who you are and learning that. But who you are was always meant to be in absolute communion and worship of God. And so if you are not, you can't be who you are because it's like half your body, half your soul, half your mind is just incomplete. It's like trying to do a job without the components that you need. So the first thing is you get to have this relationship with God again, but you get to have fellowship with him. Meaning you get to hear from him. You know, it talks about his deep cries out to deep, the deep parts of God, the, 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 the deep, 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 like soul part of God communicates the deep part of us, that we can rest in him, that we're supposed to rest in the Holy Spirit and who he is every single day, that we can hear from him, that he can communicate and, and that he's given us the word as well to help us hear from him. And it, it is this beautiful, amazing, joyful thing. That's when I think about relationship. Now, here we talk about the Catholic Church, and, and I'm not trying to poo-poo the Catholic Church at all. No. Not, no, not at all. Because what sometimes happens when you go from 
perhaps it being about a religion to a relationship is you do it then again, make it about, well, it's just about me and God. But the reality is, was never for that. It was to be connected to God and to his body. So following yeah. Jesus forces us back into unity with each other. And so if you have this personal relationship with God, it still means that there's a participation in the church. So I'm moving on, but I want you now to, I think you've, you've done a good job, Jared, kind of explaining it, but clearly, what do you think people are communicating when they say it's not about religion, it's about relationship? Hmm. Um, it's, it's hard to narrow it down to, to one particular thing. I think um, there's, a, there's a lot of factors. So um, I think it's important in this conversation to talk about what happened in the Reformation. What happened in the 1500s when uh, when Luther, um, you know, protests the the Catholic Church, and um, comes up with these phrases: sola scriptura, sola gratia, sola fide. Um, there's mean? one more. I'm missing it. Um, yeah. So faith alone, scripture alone, uh, grace alone. I know there's one more. I should know this. I feel horrible. Um, anyway. You're not going to fail me, are you? <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> I see this look in your eyes. Uh, I don't know what it is. Oh, okay. Is. okay. I, I'm not, I'm oh, not going to hang you out okay. to dry. I just don't know what it is. Okay, thank you. <laughs> if, you're, if you're watching on Facebook Live and you know, the, I know there's one more solo. Richard Chris which would is get a Latin it if he was on. <laughs> yes. Uh, or I guess Daniel, now you can, you can insert. No, he doesn't get to Anyway. He um, oh, he does. Okay, sorry. Um, and... And so is this idea that that Luther had this passion for like no the 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 offices of the priest uh, need to make it possible for the body to have access to the scriptures and to um, to be able to reason through the scriptures. I was just having this discussion the other day with somebody, and um, and there's a lot of good reason for that, right? Um, so that you can begin to engage with it yourself. It's a, the whole reason why uh, the printing press got you know, involved at that time too, because then uh, uh, Martin Luther was wanting to make sure that scripture was written in German so that it could be for the people uh, because he wanted them to be able to have access to it. And what, and that all of that is good. And then what happened is a bit of a paradigm shift, or, or I should say a pendulum shift, almost so much to the fact that like now we all can have eventually uh, as the modern era came about, uh, we can all have our own individual uh, Bible and it can be very personal and we can have a relationship with God and we can understand the scriptures for ourselves. But I think you make, uh, oh, sola Christus, Christus. Well, sola yeah, it's actually sola scriptura by scri scripture alone, sola yeah. fide by faith alone, yep. sola uh, gracia by grace alone, sola Christus, Gratia. and then uh, soli <laughs> Yeah, right. So, uh, soli de gloria, glory to God alone. There's, I remember, I don't, I didn't yes. take Latin. Bible wasn't, that's all right. Anyways, there's five. <laughs> anyway. Terrible. So there's Go a ahead. pendulum shift in that, you know, okay, so we all have our own personal Bible, but then, um, then there's, there is a, a, a little bit of a danger. And I, d I don't like using that word because I don't want to instill fear, but there's, there is a challenge um, if we all have our own, you know, perspective. So uh, there's a danger of doing eisegesis when reading the Bible. What do I mean by that? There's exegesis, there's eisegesis. Eisegesis is you take your, your context and you read it into the scriptures. Exegesis is you look at the scriptures for what they are and pull that out. 
um, and, and then apply that to your life. Eisegesis um, can often happen where we, we know of what our experience to be. We read the scriptures and then we decide for ourselves what that scripture says. There's an important piece that you talked about of we still do need to surround ourselves in the community. And what has happened is in Western mindset, in a modern mindset, we are very driven by individualism and consumerism. Yes. So whatever I can get for myself, for me, for what matters to me and my preferences, that's what matters. And sometimes we take that and we project it onto our faith. We project it onto the Bible. And so then when people talk about religion versus relationship, sometimes I think the negative side of it is I'm going to do what I want, at least how I understand the scriptures to be read. And if you tell me that the scriptures actually mean something else, uh, well, then I'm just going to disagree with you and I'm going to say you're wrong and I'm going to take it in this direction. So I think there's, um, there's a challenge in the religion versus relationship that it's actually more nuanced. Um, and so I think, but, but I think that people, when they talk about religion versus relationship, is that God is personal. God is near. God is, is not some far off distant bearded white guy in the sky uh, that is watching me and making sure that I... Uh, play by the rules and do all of the good works in order to get into heaven. No, that there's grace. Um, there's mm. freedom. This is organic. It's relational. And I commune with God as I commune with others as well. So it's a whole lot right there. Yeah. One thing I was thinking, even as you were talking about it, um, what I appreciate so much about the Old Testament is the way that they interacted with the idea of self is so different um, mm. and foreign <laughs> to us. It's a very different yeah. way. You, you can see it in, in um, this idea of family or relationship with mm. each other is much more prevalent in the Middle East as well as, as in Eastern um, communities where um, I remember one story about a, a missionary went to China and he was trying to have people come down and accept Christ and um, as individuals. And it wasn't working, wasn't working, wasn't working. And what he realized is that members of a home, if the head of the household wouldn't go down, no one was allowed to because they realized that, hmm. that so what he started to do is start speaking directly to heads of households. And then hmm. what he found is that the whole family would follow. And I hear things of, of that, the whole family would come to Christ and that kind of thing. And so just knowing your community, but even in the way you talked about it, I think it's funny. When we think relationship, we think relationship to me single as a person. You know, we rarely think of relationship to me in the community. We just don't process this that way as Americans. Like, how does this have an effect? Am I reading the word of God or consuming the word of God for my community, not just as an individual? That's just a, something that kind of hit my my mind. Um, and then yeah. something that's really silly when I was talking about how I remember uh, a little in a funny way, what eisegesis is, um, is, is a joke. Yeah. It says, uh, you know, the Bible is very clear that only men can make coffee. Do you know why? I mean, there's a whole book about it. It's know. called, it's, it's, it's called Hebrews. It's not, oh. it's not Shebrews, it's Hebrews. So, so one terrible joke, terrible joke. It's Sorry a dad joke. for anybody listening. We just <laughs> lost all of our listeners. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm kidding. So, I'm kidding. So eisegesis oh, well is done. this idea what we were brewing coffee when that was written. Hebrews is talking about a people. That's, that is such a ridiculous understanding. And yet, and yet it helps us remember that often we bring our context um, 
in and read words, even yeah. as if yeah. they're talking about us. I mean, it's that's a dumb joke, but um, it's yeah. really, really Jasmine good stuff. Agrees. Jasmine agrees. Terrible. She oh, agrees that gosh. it's a dumb joke. Yeah, terrible. So here's the oh, thing that we yeah. probably haven't talked about. You you've hinted at it way more than I have, but like, okay how do we talk about religion versus relationship in terms of the scriptures and the whole narrative of scripture, not uh, just certain parts of it. And I think that's, that's an interesting perspective too. So like, um, I don't know if you talked about this term in your seminary, but we talked about when Jesus came um, to Israel essentially is that he's decentralizing uh, temple and temple rhythms and essentially temple religion, so to speak. Um, and, and, you know, there's 613 laws uh, that, the, uh, that the Hebrew people were, um, you know, supposed to follow. And Jesus narrows it down to two most important commandments to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, did, you, did you guys ever talk about this idea of Jesus decentralizing sort of this uh, sacrificial system, this religious system for the Jews? Um, I don't think we we use the example specifically you were talking about, but I know um, yeah. we talked always about how Jesus was, uh, in the way he answered questions and what he did with his actions, was challenging everything about the way they <laughs> think about things. Like yeah, even the of saying like, what's the one commandment? And he gives them two because you, you can't pin them yeah. down, man. He can't. Right. He's saying no, it's both. Or or you know, talking about mar- uh, who's who's the wife in heaven and and trying to trick people. And he was always taking it farther or into a different place or yeah. um, saying like, hey, if you know, you've said you know, don't commit adultery. But if you looked at woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. And they're like, yeah. whoa! I talk about religion versus relationship. He, he basically was saying the religion, the religious rules, rules, mm-hmm. you are a good person or a good Jew back then. If you don't do this, he's saying, yeah. no, that was a guardrail for you because I want your heart. Mm-hmm. I want your heart to be pure. I want you to be so connected to me that you aren't engaging in sinful thoughts. And, and so I think that's a good example. But the idea of decentralization and all that, I, I think we talked more um, I don't rem- quite remember that example being used as okay. a way, um, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that they talked about in one of my classes is that you've got this whole system set up at the temple in Jerusalem. So you have to go to Jerusalem. You have to go yeah. um, to uh, the temple. You have to participate in that system in order to experience healing and forgiveness. Cause that was the role of the temple and that was the role of the priest. And so essentially you could say that they had a very high church mentality as well. And yet Jesus is, he's going outside of the temple gate. There's a story that I just read actually for the youth the other day that he goes outside the sheep gate, uh, which we actually got to see. It's, it's really cool. They would, they would have sheep go in there because that, that's where they would store the sheep that would then later be used for, to be the sacrificial lamb um, for when they would perform sacrificial system. Jesus goes out that gate and participates in healing a man who's been paralyzed for 38 years, um, which is just a giant no-no, right? So he extends healing and forgiveness and he takes it outside of the temple. You, and if he's a rabbi, you just, you just don't do that. Uh, and so he's beginning to upset their system 
and yeah. and and essentially their religion. But he, and and you mentioned the book of Hebrews. I think if you want a really good like theological treatise mm-hmm. on religion versus relationship, go through the book of Hebrews. It's dense. It's really really dense, but it's really good. I'm curious too. Why, have you why ever would had, they do that? Um, why would they do that? Who is Hebrews written for? And why would that be a good place to talk through it? I'm, I'm yeah, just, I'm soft. Great questions. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's a, yeah. that's a good one. I can hit a home run on this one. Um, because they are Hebrew people. The audience that he's writing to are, are Jewish people that have a Hebrew Israelite understanding of how the divine works, how God works, how Yahweh works. Um, and they have an understanding of the sacrificial system, but because of Jesus, Jesus is the better priest. Jesus is the high priest. Um, Jesus is a better sacrificial system, essentially. Um, and, and I believe uh, that these Hebrews were Christians. They, they were followers of Jesus, but they were maybe getting stuck uh, in some of their uh, Hebraic ways, their, their Judaism system, I guess. The religious fair assessment. Yeah. 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 One thing is you were talking, so, I think it was, a, oh, go ahead. it was, it was Ezekiel um, was talking about the temple and how uh, mm. a flowing river of water came out of the yeah. temple. And, yes. and this idea as it flowed, it, it brought healing and life yeah. and all these things. And it was that same idea that Jesus is someone who came out of the temple. Instead of having to go to a place and make yourself holy to be in the presence of God, God with his hands reached out and touched and made things holy. And so it's, it is right. a decentralization, but it's actually – the crazy part about that is that ministry of bringing things back to God and unity with God, making things holy is actually your ministry and mine. And I don't mean that as pastors. I mean that as everybody. So that's the consistency of scripture across the whole thing of this idea of like, yes, it's centralized for a time. Jesus comes and then brings, you know, rips the veil in half and brings um, the power of God into the world, into him, but also into other people. Which is interesting when Paul then says, like, so now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because the Jewish yes. people believe that the temple is where the Holy Spirit existed and only there. And that's where sort of their idea of heaven and earth met. But no, it's it's actually in you. Um, and so uh, that's that's an important idea and perspective to, to hold on to as followers of Jesus. I, I have a question for you, Nathan. Um, have you ever had it when people talk about religion versus relationship that well, Jesus brought relationship, but God of the Old Testament was about religion. What do you, what do you do with that statement? Yeah, I don't think someone said it directly like that. Um, but mm-hmm. when I think about it, I think of the perfect relationship, Adam and Eve in the garden, sin, God immediately acknowledging sin, saying the consequences of sin, and then giving the good news of the gospel that he was going to bring back people. And then him setting up the entire world, the Jewish people first, um, it, first to do that. And he wanted uh, first to, to bring um, his presence into the tabernacle as they moved with him through it. And so there's yeah. this dedication, this um, idea of taking people into the wilderness, teaching them something new about who he was, and then helping them grow in this continual progression all to the point where Jesus came and now God can live in our hearts instead of a place. For me, I don't, you know, I've, I've gotten to the point where I don't really look at all at God being different than the Old Testament 
or the new, like it's the same thing. Right. I, I have a problem because Jesus was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And that's <laughs> in Genesis, you know, though, I mean, right. that's what happened in Genesis. We hear in that, and I believe John. Um, and so, so Jesus has been there the whole time. Jesus has been the one who's been moving through this um, and God, God is preparing his people to be in the place where even in a mindset that's been dominated by sin, they can receive the good news. I love what Daniel usually says. He goes, it's the power of God that allows you to have the power uh, to accept the power of God so that you can have the power of God. He does that so often. And it's so beautiful. And people are like, well, how does that work? I'm like, it's the whole story (laughs) of the Bible. God setting up his people so that they could receive the absolute mind blowing truth of who God is. So God of the past being religion versus um, Jesus of the new Testament being about relationship. I just, I, I, I think I can engage that with them, but I just can't process that anymore because yeah. I have seen the connection so deeply. Right. And I, I, I think you explained that so well. And I think what I've come to realize in 15 plus years of ministry is this question always comes up. Why is God in the Old Testament different from God or AKA Jesus mm-hmm. in the New Testament? And, and then what I've come to realize kind of a light bulb went on when I was having conversations with people. And it's mostly students that ask this question, um, which is so cool because they're engaging with the Bible and they're seeing, why does, why does it feel different? And I appreciate that they understand, or at least that they, they see that. And I think what's interesting then is to say, no, humanity's different in how they respond to God. Um, and so the, the system in which they, they understand God and they try to connect with God is a different system than what Jesus brings about, which is why a lot of people had trouble with Jesus, because for hundreds and hundreds of years, they had a way of doing things. And Jesus comes along and says, you've heard it said, but I tell you. And so they've got to, they've got to adjust their understanding of God, but it doesn't mean that God's changed. It doesn't mean that God's heart for them and God's heart for relationship and covenant relationship, which I don't know that we talk about enough, that God establishes a covenant covenant with Abraham and Abraham's descendant. That's all about relationship. That's about vows. It's, it's saying, I'm going to commit to you. Will you now commit to me? Uh, that is relational. That's all in the Old Testament before Jesus even comes on the scene, at least in the flesh. And so um, I think it's important to understand that the heart of God never changes. He's always have a heart. He always has a heart for humanity and for his created. Uh, it's just in the way in which man or human uh, kind responds to that. Uh, But then, you know, humankind is sinful all across uh, Old Testament, New Testament, and even to today. And so we're always going to wrestle with that. We're going to be finite in our understanding of of how to relate to God. That's so good. Yeah. I I think of, of um, everything that God did with his people, Israel was to know them and be with Mm -hmm. them. I think of a couple moments specifically around when they were leaving from Egypt. We can go back to saying, I'm going to be with you and be with you, all that. But like, let's go to say they're leaving Egypt and different, a couple things that always stick out to me. One, there was a moment when God spoke to the from the mountain to all of the people and the people like lost it. And they basically said in that, they literally said in that moment, we can't do this anymore. We can't hear from God. Moses, you be the guy. You be the guy, you, we'll just listen to, which they didn't because they're people. I, they, you know, I just love it. Like, oh, we'll just, let's, you listen to God. We can't listen to guy more and we're going to die. Like, we can't do that. And then he does it and they don't listen to him. And anyways, that's just people, right? Yeah. Like, that's just personal yeah. thing. 
But Moses, even in his moment, he was just, I love the idea of like following where God is going. The pillar of smoke, the pillar of fire. We are, we have been shown from the very beginning that we're supposed to follow where God's going and supposed to follow him. And Moses just, uh, him talking to him and basically saying, we're not going anywhere without you, God. You, you've, if you don't go there, we're not going to go. If you don't lead us, we're not going to go. And he's like, no, I'll, I'll go with you. Go. I'll give you rest. And he's like, no, but seriously, like we have got to like, it's just this inter- interesting interaction. And in, I think it's Exodus 33, but he just says, I, I want, I got to follow you. And then you know what God does in that moment? He goes, okay, let me show you who I am. And that's the moment where he sat in this cleft of rock covering his Right. And saw the presence of God basically out of the corner of his eyes. It was just, oh, it wasn't destroyed by it. Like, you know, this is what God wanted to do. And he found someone yeah. who had the same heart in Moses. And, and, um, and that's, that's a, 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 something I would encourage anyone listening to this is that's what God's heart has for you. But now we have Jesus. Now we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Now we are the temple of God. And so God wants to show you his glory every single day, every single moment. And I like to say this, God is looking across the United States. He's looking across our state, our church, and he's looking for people who want to see his glory and want to be with him. And he's going to show himself to you. Um, now it won't kill you. <laughs> now you have the Holy Spirit and this relationship. And uh, we see that um, in uh, our time with God alone, but also our time with God in community. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, we are coming to the end of our time. Rich Allen, who is our executive pastor. I'm really sorry, Nathan, but um, we we have to do what he says. So we have to answer this question. Question yeah. for Nathan. Are you excited about the new city of Flavortown? <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Well, this is my own fault because I've been in front of Michigan, some, right? Yeah, we so need, we need to give some context, context first. I'll, right. I'll give context. All right. So <laughs> the home of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Amazing group of people. Uh, Justin Fields, quarterback, coming back. It's going to be a good year. Uh, The town is called Columbus. Columbus, Ohio, if you don't know, it's the capital. And due to the different things that are going on, people are proposing that we no longer call it Columbus because of um, the realization of what happened with Columbus. And you know the debate. I don't need to express that. And that's not the point. So there was a petition that went out with thousands of votes to call it, instead of Columbus, Flavortown. And uh, I, I mean, there's no defense for that. That is the most ridiculous, stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, I don't care. I, I don't tend to put a lot of stock in the names of things. You know, you can call it whatever you want. Um, I, that doesn't bother me. But like, pick something good. Flavortown? Like, what? Where do, where were you born? I was born in Flavortown. Like not like this this is so dumb. It's not gonna happen, but it, it got some traction. Uh, I maybe just call it Flavor Flavor Town. I I am just at a loss. I'm at a loss uh, as to why that got any traction. So completely unrelated to anything we spoke about today. Well, hey, you know, I want to end on a uh, a high note. No, I don't know what to call that. What kind of uh, note? It's not even a note. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, if it, wait, is that official though? Is that official? No, it's not going to happen. No, oh, no. Okay. It's just okay. like a, no. It's just a bunch of people sorry. who who uh, did a petition and it got some recognition. Right. 
I'll be truthful. It's not a news story that I've been following daily uh, closely, so I, I couldn't tell you. But um, thank you, everybody, for joining us live. Um, if you are listening to the podcast, thank you for listening as well. We appreciate it. Um, if you ever have any questions that you want to submit to Table Talk Thursday, uh, you can email uh, any one of us. But uh, the tradition has been to email Daniel. Uh, that's Daniel Fegbui at lifechurchcanton.org. And uh, that is also on our website. I'll put it in the podcast show notes a little bit later on as well. Uh, but we want to say God bless you. Um, we hope you have a wonderful weekend. We hope you engage in church this weekend as well as we continue in our series, Sticking to the Gospel. Make sure that you uh, set aside August 30th for New Life Weekend um, because that's going to be a blast. We're going we're gonna to hear some incredible stories of people's lives being changed before our very eyes. We're going to get to see one another. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Nathan, any last comments that you have or announcements? No, um, I'm just so grateful. Okay. As always, sharing does uh, a lot of good. Yeah, that's it. Awesome. So have a great day. See you guys later.